Let's go! Welcome to Sunday's Finest Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Mason Paws. And I'm your co-host, Jake Nagy. Uh, Jake, it's after week eight, um, and uh, you guys just handed me another one of my losses this season. I'm up to five, but enough about me. How are you feeling? Well, the uh, the undefeated season is over. Uh, we did get our first L handed to us, but we're able to bounce back with a dub this week, so I'm feeling pretty good. Sent you the Chris Godwin meme, uh, so you know. Can't complain, man. Can't complain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't even looked at the group me today, but <laughs> rest assured that I will honor my end of the bargain and I will put that on my profile, Avi, on the uh, the fantasy app as promised. I'm a man That's of wor- my word. I, I got to share a quick story. Trent, Trent was uh, mentioning how fun it is co-owning, getting to have someone you're texting with. And uh, last night I wasn't able to watch Monday Night Football, we needed uh, Devontae Parker to score 7.3 points to win. And uh, I was at a church event. Uh, it's this thing called Alpha, where you can bring friends of different religious backgrounds. And um, it's like an eight-week thing where you talk about big life questions. And the question yesterday was, why do we pray and how do we pray? And the whole time, all I could think was, God, I'm just praying that Devontae Parker scores 7.3. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Ryan was sending me all these updates. I pulled my phone out and had 26 texts from him at one point letting me know that we secured <laughs> the dub. So Very uh, good. That was, that was a highlight of the season for sure. Shout That's out to Ryan fun. for sharing it. Yeah, I didn't even – I, I did not have the same level of anticipation that you guys had. I <laughs> told you all Sunday night. I was, I mean, I mean, Devonte Parker hasn't scored fewer than ten points or than but one week this se- season, and yeah, it was a fairly good matchup. So I didn't even watch it. It was it was pretty freeing because I didn't, you know, wait until the third quarter or whenever it happened <laughs> for for my hopes to get crushed. So. I think yeah. that was the 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 best decision I made all weekend. It wasn't who I started. It was uh, deciding. Oh, I think I've already lost, so I'll save <laughs> myself the heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, if we had actually started uh, Dorset instead of Devonte Parker, uh, I believe we would have won by zero point one points. So that that might have been the only thing that would have stung worse. Yeah, no, probably. I'm I'm familiar with the stink so far this season. <laughs> um, yeah, three and five. Uh, things aren't going absolutely fantastic. I still kind of like my team, but at this point, you know, the margins for error is pretty small. I just, I mean, going four and one down the stretch seems tough against any competition. And I still have to play uh, Riley and I think John too, who both their teams look pretty good. So I could go on a little streak, but I I feel like I've frittered away the close games already. And so I'm, I'm not loving my chances for the rest of the season. Yeah, I definitely think you've got some bounce back uh, opportunity, though. I mean, McCaffrey is the best player in fantasy football right now. And when you've got him on your squad, you should be able to at least be in consideration for a dub no matter who you're playing. So don't don't count yourself out just yet, Mason. Sure. Yeah. And I might be a seller or a buyer, um, which we'll talk about later in the pod. But yeah, yeah, always, always moves can be made. Yep. yeah, got a good pod in store. Um, this is our post-week eight pod. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a normal pod, but we're going to add a little something on the end, a little buy and sell edition, um, because, Jake, if I'm not mistaken, the next time that we talk after week 10, the Sunday's finest trade deadline will have passed. 
Right. Um, so we're gonna to preview that and maybe talk about some people who should stand pat, some people who should be looking to sell, some people who should be looking to buy. Um, after that, we'll have our first member of the finest of Sunday's finest, the girls' league, <laughs> on, and that will be our current uh, first place owner, Claire Andress. Um, so looking forward to that. And yeah, other than that, um, gonna be a pretty pretty normal pod. And yeah, any other words before we dive in, Jake? Sounds good, Mason. Let's get into it a little over-under. Who are you buying right now? Yeah, um, I think with over-under, the idea for me at least is to pick somebody who's kind of overperformed over the last two weeks. And it's not to say that I don't think that their team is good, but I think this time it's uh, it's Jake Davis. Um, he's won uh, back-to-back weeks at uh, under 110 points which is not something you really like to see. I think he said in the, in the group me at some point that his, his team was just sus as all get out, but he keeps winning. I mean, hey, that's that's fine. As long as you win, you're, you've are you got a chance to stay in it. He's 4-4 four and four right now, but man, it's just like the Jets just don't really look that good. They've got Miami this week, um, and he should see some points there. Um, but I mean... He's got what Lev Bell, Chris Carson, and Amari Cooper, and then other than that, like I think his roster is pretty much question marks. Um, not very strong at quarterback, um, and then I mean when you're starting Mike Williams as your wide receiver too, that's not cause for um, great faith either. But then also Kittle has been kind of up and down, like he hasn't exactly been um, what Jake drafted him to be. Um, he's been fine, and he's better than having some of the other guys at tight end. But yeah, so far I think that the, the last two weeks Jake has definitely overperformed where he's been at, um, and we could see maybe some downturn from him in the coming weeks. What are you thinking? Yeah, man, um, I think I've got to say one Jackson Humphrey who has also won two games in a row. Uh, yeah, he won his first game just. Just barely, man. Squeaked one out uh, with a final score of 92 to 89 over Andrew. Um, so again, you you don't don't often find yourself in the dub column when you're posting 92 points, but Jackson pulled it out. And then this week, 162 points from Jackson. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Uh, in week Incredible. in week seven, I believe David Montgomery and Tevin Coleman combined for nine points, and Mike <laughs> Evans was on bye. This week, those three combined for 103 points. <laughs> Just incredible. insane. Insane, yeah. man. Montgomery um, got two touches week seven and got 27 touches this week. It's like mm-hmm. Matt Nagy just cannot <laughs> – he can't figure out what this team is, who he is. It just yeah. is mind-boggling to me. But, yeah, Montgomery finally looks like he's been freed. And then Tevin Coleman, sheesh, dude, 105 yards, three – three touchdowns and then a receiving touchdown as well. They're playing Arizona this week on Thursday night football, which uh, he should be able to run all over that bad Arizona defense. So yeah, I think Jackson's team overperformed this week, but man, I, I think they could continue to overperform. And when you're continually overperforming at some point, that's just what you are. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited about that. So you're saying he's, he's kind of overperformed, but you're actually like buying him in the coming weeks because his yeah. team's kind of like coming into form. Yeah, I think um, so. And yeah, I have to say I agree. I mean, well, let me ask you a question. Do you think David Montgomery has turned a corner? Or do you think this is the norm for him going forward, or is this more of like a blip? I mean, dude, it's just so hard to know if what anything is happening with this Bears offense. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what I will say is that Trubisky is absolute buns at this point, and that is the one thing we can count on. And the more and more that becomes clear, I think the more and more 
Nagy's going to be relying on uh, David Montgomery, at least if he's got half a brain. So for Jackson's sake, you got to hope that this is uh, starting to become the norm. But, man, it's hard to tell. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably hop on that train. Like, I think that, like, obviously 160 every week isn't something that you're anticipating. But this is a team with not really a whole lot of obvious holes. Um, I think there are weeks where, you know, he could still put up those 80s, those 90s, because like even though Tevin Coleman scored whatever he scored, like 50-something points, he scored three touchdowns on 13 touches. And like, I, I just, like, don't – I mean, that's not going to happen every week. It's just truly not. And he's a volume guy, but he's, he's like, doesn't catch a ton of passes, so the floor there can be kind of low. Um, but, yeah, I mean – other than than the the fact that Tevin Coleman isn't a bona fide like RB one, and the fact that David Montgomery still has that like you know low floor, like man, yeah, this team looks good. Yep. So Jackson on the rise. Um, what about uh, switching gears, going to underperforming? Who do you have there? Yeah, I have underperforming right now. Connor Paws. Uh, looking at his team, Russell Wilson finally had kind of a a normal stat line. His running backs have been kind of sus as of late um and obviously it stings i think he had uh, jordan howard on the bench who posted like 18 and uh, his two running backs combined for 10 points so <laughs> that one stings a bit of an underperformance but man I- i'm almost i'm almost the exact opposite of what i was saying about jackson i think he was underperforming but i think i'm scared about his chances moving forward man week nine <laughs> i don't know if you guys have looked at this uh this lineup but uh outside of russell wilson Oh my gosh! It's I just pulled pathetic. it up. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. Connor! Oh my Connor gosh! Is currently starting, uh, Kiki Kuti, who is projected three points. Uh, yeah. He's projected a couple guys around eight or nine. Uh, he's got, yeah, man, a, a total projection of eighty-seven points with his lineup filled in. <laughs> this is uh, painful to look at. Yeah, it really is, man. I don't know if I've ever seen a lower projected score. In Sunday's finest, um, so mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's it's probably a loss this week. Um, then week ten he's playing Riley, and then week eleven Russell Wilson's on bye. So yeah. man, that's it's uh, it's not looking great for Mr. Connor Paws. Yeah, Russell Wilson has averaged 23 points a game. Yeah, which I I don't know if I could have Connor's average points per game off the top of my head, but I think it's I mean low. it was it was it was lower than 110 or it was like about 110 last yeah. week. And so this week, I'm sure it's just about that. And so that's a guy that's averaging almost 20% of your points per game. Uh, quarterback's like an easier position to find a stream. But yeah, I mean, I think you make a pretty compelling case here. Like, obviously, this week is going to be a nothing burger. I mean, we might see the lowest points we've ever seen <laughs> in, in Sunday's finest history here. Um, and then, yeah, Riley's a tough matchup. And then with Russell Wilson on by... Like none of those weeks you really want to like feel comfortable being like, yeah, Connor's my guy. He's going to put up a ton of points this week. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's what five and three right now, but that could, mm-hmm. that could easily be five and six. When, yeah. we, when we come back around. Yep. Um, yeah. A team that I think has kind of underperformed over the last couple of weeks is actually Trenton Hunter. Um, I think uh, in our last pod, I said that I didn't really have a whole lot of faith in their team. But even so, I don't I don't think that they have performed up to the standard that they can. 
Um, they finally get Zeke and James Conner back in the same lineup for this week. And Zeke is looking like he's hitting midseason form. He, he absolutely torched the Philadelphia defense, a really good front seven. Um, and then he just had his bye and he's fresh. And the Cowboys um, schedule over the next few weeks doesn't exactly scare you. Um, and then, of course, Tyler Lockett is just as steady as steady gets. I mean, he's doing what he's doing with pretty much like four or five looks a game, just like not a super high volume guy. But you know that there's going to be volume in the future for him somewhere. Um, and so he definitely has pop potential. Um, tight ends a worry. It's a worry for everyone. Say that pretty much every week. And then John Brown is a guy that I just did not think would keep up what he's been keeping up. But he, I mean, like he's just been solid and yeah, he yes. continues it. And then in the next four games, listen to this for John Brown, they have Washington, Cleveland, Miami, and then Denver, which you don't love. But those there. three in there is like, those are three great matchups. So yeah, I'd say that uh, um, Trenton Hunter might round out and, and grab a couple wins over the next few weeks. What do you think? Yeah, man, I think uh, a lot of their sin- season hinges on James Conner and whether or not he's going to be out with injury for this week or maybe even a couple weeks. They're 4-4. Four and four. They've got to win now. They've got a pretty low points for, so I don't think this team makes it at 7-6. and six. Uh, There's probably only one, maybe two teams that are going to make it at 7-6, and six, and they're not, yeah. not looking great in points for us. So I think they've probably got to finish 8-5 and five to make the playoffs, which means they need to win three of their next – four games and um yeah man if james connor's out for those that that really yeah. hurts but dude that yeah. has been on fire these last last four games 26 11 30 and 24 um, yeah so i think it really really hinges on what james connor can produce yeah i would agree and it's kind of a big boo-boo by them not having either of his backups although they're both banged up too so who knows they might be starting a total nobody off the street this week yeah if james connor and the others can't go um yeah i think that's all we got for for over under um you want to move us to our next segment yeah mason we're gonna do a little bit of humble pie this is where we uh yeah we just gotta admit we're not always right in fact we're often more wrong than we are right Oh, uh, that's okay. That's what most of podcasting is. Just throwing takes at the wall like spaghetti. See if it sticks. And uh, I'll go ahead and start us off. I'm going to take a big old piece of humble pie and say that Riley Hayes' team is uh, much better than I ranked in midseason. Much better than I've been expecting. I keep waiting for this team to regress, and they just have not. They have looked fantastic. Uh, Riley gave us our first loss of the season by a cool 47-point beatdown. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, man, I'm swallowing some humble pie there. Riley's got RB2, RB5, and RB12. I mean, it's crazy. How did we let him get all three of these guys and Cook, Fournette, and Derrick Henry? It's, uh, it's yeah. on all of us, I guess. But, man, I, I'm eating some humble pie there for sure. Yeah, pretty incredible what he's gotten. I mean, obviously all three of those guys have overperformed um where they initially were put yeah so i think that like you know you expect like one or two people to maybe reap the benefits of those players uh but but riley just saw the value in all of them and got them all so yeah i think that's a place where i'm eating a little humble by two um one in particular that i have in mind i think i remember like four weeks ago like last normal pod talking about Austin Eckler and how his regression was going to kill Steph um, (laughs) when Melvin Gordon came back. 
four weeks later, here are uh, Austin Eckler's point totals in games that he has played with Melvin Gordon. 22, 5, 25, and 10. So over that span, he's averaging over 12 or 13 points a game with some pops in there, too. Now, Steph still hasn't exactly performed up to task. He's been kind of the victim of Devontae Adams' injury as well. But still, I thought that the reason that he wouldn't perform well was because of Austin Eckler. And Austin Eckler has been pretty much a start-every-week option, especially with the state of the running back position. So I'll go ahead and uh, eat some humble pie there and say that I was wrong. And and honestly, it doesn't really look like it's going to change. Melvin Gordon doesn't look great. I mean, the Chargers in general don't look great. But I think that Eckler has a role there, and he's going to continue to get valuable work yeah man uh it's pretty crazy i believe uh in week five austin eckler uh, maybe this is incorrect because it just seems absolutely insane the espn app says that he had 15 receptions no that's not right (laughs) no that's that's very correct very correct (laughs) yeah it's it's just insane man i i really can't figure out what's going on with the chargers i will say uh, i believe um the Chargers fired their offensive coordinator this morning as of time of recording on Tuesday. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakeup comes. Will the Chargers trade Melvin Gordon and Eckler resumes the bell cow status? Will a new offensive coordinator come in and shake things up and maybe give just more time to Gordon? It's it's really just been such a question mark all season for Eckler, mm-hmm. but lucky for Steph, he's continued to get great production out of him so yeah, yeah man that's it's impressive that's true. very true good job by stuff there going out and getting his guy um yep. and i think it was like round four or five so that's awesome value pick for him yep. um and then another one i wanted to mention too was i think we talked about this a few weeks ago when the trade happened um between alex and john um and i said that i would i would rather have todd Gurley and aaron jones i believe out of that trade with alex that included alvin kamara mm-hmm. um and so i still stand by that but but this is just kind of like some humble pie that i've eaten in general maybe not even necessarily because it takes on the paw but i did say i said aaron jones has scored eight touchdowns <laughs> and i think that was uh like three weeks ago, two weeks ago. And then since then, he's just scored three more touchdowns. And not only is he playing running back, he's also just happens to be a wide receiver too. Had seven for 159 and two touchdowns through the air last week. And so, I mean, I just kept thinking because his workload is not that of an RB1 that Aaron Jones would regress and kind of like come back down to that RB2 tier um, and he still has those weeks in him, but man, am I eating some humble pie because this is a guy I didn't think could sustain the big weeks. And I mean, over his last four, he's had 49, 8, 18, and 41, which is absolutely incredible yeah, it by is. Aaron Jones. Yeah, you asked me point blank, do you think that that touchdown uh, numbers can can continue? And I, mm-hmm. I, I'll, take a, I'll eat another piece with you, Mason. I, I definitely did not think so. I mean, seriously, dude, 159 yards receiving is just insane and uh i believe he's currently rb3 so yeah man great great acquisition there by jt always a savvy dealer and um yeah enough of uh enough of this self-shaming though mason we need yeah to- we've had enough of that i, I have oh, enough of that yes. from day to day with my horrible team i self self-shame myself all the time <laughs> yeah tell us tell us where you can say a little i told you so mason. i told you so Yeah, um, this is uh, this goes back to uh, 
to last pod, I believe, we talked about Jackson's receivers, and I asked what they all had in common, and you said, oh, they're super meh. <laughs> and I, I don't know if you've been watching, but Jackson's receivers are anything but super meh. <laughs> I think I backed them then to be kind of the crux, which like brought them forward. Um, and I think since that episode, Mike Evans has 20 and 42 in his last two played games. <laughs> and then Cortland Sutton is completely Joe Flacco proof, which is amazing because he's been 19, 11, 14 and 10. Very, very solid. Um, and then on top of that, he still keeps getting a production out of Terry McLaurin. These are these are three guys that were all in the top 20 when we last talked. And guess where they all now? Killing it. Yep. All in the top 20. And now <laughs> Cortland Sutton's in the top 15. Mike Evans is in the top 10. And he even has DJ Moore to boot, who, you know, isn't like absolutely the ceiling of the other guys, but like, he's definitely a solid piece. So I'm going to say I told you so there. What do you yeah, got? It's pretty good, man. I, uh, I think I got to say I told you so on uh, Team DJ Juju. Uh, I, I was pretty harsh on them in the last episode. And since then, they've dropped two in a row. Um, I'm looking at this team. They, uh, I, I gotta say, this is pretty funny though. Currently, Madison's uh, lineup does not have a defense or a kicker. They're both on by. He also has <laughs> David Johnson out uh, with injury. Cooper Cup is on by, and Calvin Ridley is on by. And he has still projected more points than Connor's full roster this week. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I'm not here to rip on Connor. I'm here to rip on Madison. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Madison's team, DJ Juju. The DJ is gone, and. Uh, so is the juju, man. It's it's been a, a couple of hard breaks. That I, that actually I can't really say. I told you so. That that's kind of hard to predict. But yeah, man. James White is RB twenty six right now. That's a low end RB two, and that's his bona fide number one guy right now. Carlos Hyde is a big question mark every single week, and I just I don't see a lot that. Um, really can can turn this team around. I, I know I feel like I've been especially harsh and. Yeah, I'm sorry, Madison. Uh, sorry for hating on your squad. But um, I will say that at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers um, is looking like the man of old with uh, a couple of monster performances. These yeah, last looks like weeks. an MVP. Yeah, he's averaging 35 points a game over the last two weeks. So, um, yeah, I'm, I might be might be doing humble pie on what I, I told you so uh, here in two weeks mm -hmm. from now. But so far, I think that prediction's held up that Madison would take a, a turn for the worse. Yeah, and I think, obviously, you know, you can't predict the David Johnson injury. Um, but, yeah, I think you've been mostly right. I think I think that, you know, Golden Tate has still been kind of a diamond in the rough, like a find. Um, since he's been back, um, he's had 5, 22, 14, 16. That's pretty much like yeah. WR2 numbers. Um, and then, obviously, Cooper Cup. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's the man. There's no other way to say it. But yeah, with your with your RB one out, um, and then you're pretty much just cobbling together guys with a pulse after that. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think uh, I defended Team DJ Juju on the last pod, but uh, mm -hmm. this week I have uh, nothing else to say for him. Um, and we'll see if uh, four and four and maybe a little luck can get in there, but I don't think it can. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll be talking a little bit. Uh, later on, a couple minutes here about teams who might be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. I think Madison might uh, might be getting in on the action. At least that's what I would would suggest. But Mason, let's uh, go into a little bit of trade review. Um, tell us about some of the trades that have been happening over the last couple of weeks and some of your thoughts. 
Yeah. Um, so we or- organized these in uh, order of, uh, I guess, uh, least blockbuster trade to the most blockbuster trade. Certainly this time, um, I think uh, four weeks since our last trade review, there hasn't been as much movement and as much significant movement, but there's still been some and some things to talk about. Um, first on the list is a, is a trade a few weeks ago, which is where Jackson sent Neam Hines. Um, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Jackson sent <laughs> Neam Hines to Steph for Peyton Barber. Am I reading that right? I This isn't even worth talking about. This is the most <laughs> nothing trade of all time. This is literally just like trading just to trade. I don't know. Do you see anything else there? I see somewhere Alex Law is smiling and saying, well done, boys. Well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very good. Maybe uh, maybe an early nominee for the Blue Ribbon Award for this pod. Yeah. Um, next, we have uh, Jake Davis sending Gus Edwards to Jacob and Zach for Sam Darnold. I think you had some strong things to say in the group <laughs> me on this one. You want to weigh in? Yeah, I did. I, uh, I was led loose <laughs> on acquiring Sam Darnold just after posting negative 6.7 points. But sure. uh, yeah, man. Uh, he came out um, in week eight and threw for 218 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. So, yeah, like I said, uh, not not a big fan of that move. However, um, I was I was still not quite willing to say he wouldn't be a uh, a top 12 QB this week, and um, his numbers were not not strong. So maybe that's a water bet I should have taken on one Sam Darnold. But uh, yeah, man, that's. That's about all I got to say on that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit more fond of it than you are. I mean, it's still almost nothing. But Jake Davis had Jared Goff as, as his QB, and I think that was like right after the week that he had scored like two points. And, and this has been talked about in some other pods that I've listened to. Sam Darnold does have a really favorable schedule down the stretch. Now, obviously, when you are basically just blind in one eye and throwing it into defenses willy-nilly, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You're still going to have bad weeks. Um, but yeah, I, I think like Jake Davis could still get some use out of Sam Darwin. He basically gave him away for a backup. So, um, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. It's fine. Like it's, it's not something I hate for either team. Let me say this though, Mason. Go ahead. So, <laughs> um, so we made this bet, uh, that I did not accept that Sam Darnold would be a top, uh, 12 QB this week. Sam mm-hmm. Darnold finished behind the QB Taysom Hill who threw zero passes, ran the ball zero times, but caught three of his targets for 63 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. So Amazing. Sam Donald actually finished below a QB who never threw a pass. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I'll, I'll state my case and, and let the jury decide from there. Yeah, maybe maybe he'll water bet you now. Now that yeah. you've got him fired up after this pod, I'd love to That's see right. that. That's right. um, moving to the next deal, we have John sending uh, Carlos Hyde and Mecole Hardman to Alex for Malcolm Brown and Cole Beasley. This was a few weeks ago. My memory is pretty fuzzy on this one (laughs) but i'm pretty sure this is the week that alex could have started cole beasley and won his matchup is that right i believe so i believe so i I think we're we're about to rip on alex enough in this next deal which is alex sending daryl williams to steph for will fuller no, no, no. Uh, you have that backwards. Steph oh, said yeah. Will Fuller to Alex for Daryl yeah. Williams. Yeah, Actually, what am I, he, I think he gets a gets a a fist bump for that one. Yeah, indeed. Um, so, yeah, poor poor Alex, man. I I will try not to to rip on his squad too much. Um, he 
is probably the first team to be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Um, it's a it's tough, tough look for my guy. But uh, yeah, 53 points from Will Fuller in week five. And I believe he has not even posted 53 points the other eight weeks of the season put together. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's been hurt. Yeah, like I, re- I really like the the second deal, the one where where Steph sent Will Fuller to Alex for Daryl Williams. I mean, Alex gave away a player that's essentially I, I don't even know if he's like rosterable right now because he's yeah. not even really a backup in Kansas City because there's two running backs there anyway. Um, and he got a like, I mean, a viable WR2 for some of the weeks that he had him. And then obviously you can't really predict injury. Um, so that was a good move by Alex. I think a boo-boo by Steph there because Steph could have won some matchups with Will Fuller in his lineup. Um, if he hadn't sent him away. Um, but yeah, it kind of ends up being another nothing trade after the Will Fuller injury, which it seems like he should be out for a few weeks. Yeah. Um, next deal. Um, we're starting to get into maybe some some more of the stronger, more more the the consequential deals, I think, with some of the stronger players getting swapped. Um, and this is one that you guys were involved in, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. This is one where you sent um, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, absolute legend and Miles Sanders to Jacob and Zach for Philip Lindsay and Kareem Hunt. What are your thoughts? Yeah, man, I was just really tired of you ripping on Miles Sanders in the pods. So <laughs> I had to uh, send him off. No, honestly, uh, when I we made that deal, I was I was really nervous about sending away Larry Fitzgerald, who since that trade I believe has posted twelve two and two. Uh, it's not a great stat line, but one Miles Sanders has actually been balling out, man. Um, he's yeah. pretty dang good so far. And, yeah. um, he just keeps doing what he's doing on like six or seven touches, which is just incredible. Yeah. But I feel like at this point, maybe it's just like not a fluke. Maybe it's just the real thing, but keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. So that's actually been the opposite of what I thought Jacob and Zach were going to get. Um, yeah, we picked up Philip Lindsay and Kareem Hunt. Um, Philip Lindsay has been pretty solid 15 four and then 12 um not not the the ceiling we hope he can achieve at some point but uh pretty solid he also was a part of us assembling the uh, infinity stones the uh reassembling of our 2018 squad <laughs> having mahomes philip Lindsay, deandre hopkins a bucks receiver yeah we're basically just trying to put together our our team from yeah. last year um, and then, yeah, yeah you guys have, uh, knocked on my door for Kelsey a couple times now. So I feel like that's the last <laughs> piece that you need to, uh, to become all powerful uh, exactly. rulers of the universe. Yeah. But it didn't turn out for my, well for my guy Thanos. So, so maybe we should stand pat at this point, but yeah, we also picked up Kareem Hunt, which, um, yeah, as his suspension is about to be lifted is, uh, probably an important piece for us already having Nick Chubb to figure out what's going to happen in that backfield. So Overall, mm-hmm. I, I'd like to think probably a, a pretty fair trade for both teams and the first trade in Sunday's Finest ever executed between four people. So that was pretty fun. Yeah, it's true, being part of history. Yeah, yeah. I think that the only thing that I would say here is that I, th- I think that you kind of already said it all, but I, I, I think that with the quarterback change that's coming in Denver, um, I've seen Brandon Allen play a lot of football for Arkansas, and unless he's become a completely different person, I don't really trust that offense to move. Now, Philip Lindsay, you know, I still trust him as, yeah, like low-end RB2, but I just don't know if he has the same ceiling as he did. Say what you will about Joe Flacco, but he's been an NFL quarterback for, you know, better part of a decade, so at least he has the experience. Yeah. Um, 
And I think like worst case scenario for you guys is would be if like Chubb and Kareem Hunt kind of just like eat into each other's touches. Yeah. But it is very nice to have like like both of them just in case something happens to Chubb or to Hunt, and then like you have like you know obviously the bona fide workhorse guy. Otherwise. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is the worry. That is the worry. I feel like that could be the only kryptonite you guys have right now. Yeah. Um, moving us on to the next trade yeah. um, is one that I was involved in, and that would be uh, me sending Hunter Henry and DJ Moore to Jackson for Kenny Galladay. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, man. Kenny G uh, had a monster week this week, so definitely a good pickup for you. Um, but Hunter Henry's been looking great as well, man. And uh, I think – Going along the lines of our last conversation, could be a deal that helped out both teams. You both picked up a piece that um, you could use. Although I, I really think here maybe one of the biggest pros is uh, Jackson picking up a solid tight end, which is pretty hard to come by in this league. And now, again, looking at a squad, I'm going to keep hyping Jackson up a little bit. I think he's got a pretty solid squad overall if it can stay healthy and uh, specifically if his running backs can continue to produce. But, uh, yeah, I think a, a trade that helps you both. What do you think? Yeah, I would say so, too. I think this is the definition of a trade that um, is, is a need trade. I think Jackson probably wins a little bit more than I did because he basically takes a position that he was getting like five or six points from a week and takes yeah. it to a guy that you can kind of rely on for, you know, like 12 or 13, which is a really big bump. And I mean, I, I sent more who's been solid, but I, I, I got the guy who's probably a back end wide receiver one in our league and definitely has the pop potential as he showed this last week. And and clearly I need help with wide receivers. So I feel like, yeah, we both won, but I still think I like Jackson's situation and that deal a little bit more. Not that he necessarily got the better players, but that like he he probably benefited from a little from it a little bit more than I did. Um, and then our last trade, the most recent one that happened this Sunday morning, and that was between uh, Alex and Madison. Um, Alex sent Carlos Hyde and Calvin Ridley, um, who should be a beneficiary of the Muhammad Sidhu trade, yep. to Madison for Juju Smith-Schuster. What are your initial thoughts here? Yeah, I think Alex is uh, probably the... <laughs> he's not tanking. I can't say that he's tanking, um, but he's definitely collecting assets uh, for potential keepers in 2000, uh, going into the 2020 season, he's got Kamara, he's got Juju, Evan Ingram, Stefan Diggs. Um, it's really insane that he's got this much talent on a team that's one and seven. Um, but yeah, I think also a, a pretty solid pickup for Madison. He's obviously got to be thinking about pushing for the playoffs this year. I will say this, um, looking at, um, Madison's team and yeah, picking up Carlos Hyde and Ridley, I do wonder if um, either of those guys are really that valuable, worth giving up the fact that Juju might be able to turn it around later in the season and, and put up the numbers we all had hoped he could. So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. This one's a bit of a question mark. May have to wait and see, give it a little bit more time. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think the thing that I don't like about this from Madison's perspective, I think if you just like look at the production of each given player and like average them together, I think it's like, you know, kind of a fair trade both ways, especially with like the the role increase that you should see with Ridley. But the thing I don't like about it for Madison is that he's giving up the higher upside player, which I I don't generally like to do in any deal that I'm doing is giving up the higher upside player. And then he also traded out of a player who has already had his buy and into a player who is having his buy right now at a time yeah. when Madison like probably needs a win at four and four and kind of a struggling team. 
Um, so I think like in that sense, I would rather be Alex on this end of the deal, just getting another player that has already had his buy. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, there's still a lot to be seen from it too. That's a good point, man. We, uh, we're going to move from our trade review into some possible trade preview. Mason, buyers and sellers, who do you think should be buying at the 2019 Sunday's Finest trade deadline? Yeah, um, I like this. This is this is something we can kind of preview and see how it shakes out. Maybe it'll uh, light a fire under some people. But as we know, the trade deadline is fast approaching. Um, so my prediction for a team that should be buyers right now is Saquanda Forever, Jacob and Zach. This is a team that looked pretty much invincible a couple weeks ago when we potted, and they still have a very good squad. It's one that I think is definitely a title contender, has the pieces to make it. But still, I think you're kind of seeing a downturn from their uh, their top playmakers. Like T.Y. Hilton started the year incredibly well, but since then has been a bit more pedestrian. Um, and then I think obviously there's uh, there's Adam Thielen injury concerns and um, also Tyrell Williams has been, you know, solid and has like his his touchdowns to help him out. But I think what they really need is just like another kind of elite player. They have like a lot of like good players and then obviously Saquon and Lamar, which are both amazing players. But I think that they really like want another player that you can like like hope for and count on those like 30 point weeks. Like those those weeks that are really going to win you your matchup. And here is something this might be a hot take. I know that they said that they're untouchable, but I think that the Pats D could be a really good trade chip for them. They've been yeah. amazing so far. But the Pats D over the next few games plays Baltimore, then buys, then Philadelphia, Dallas, Houston, and KC. And then they yeah. finish with Cincinnati and Buffalo, which you really like. But over those six games, I mean, there's a buy and there's five offenses that are not nearly as incompetent as the ones that they have played so far. So you could see some regression there. And this might be the time to move on from them and grab that extra special, that pop player that could really take them over the edge. Who are you buying? Yeah, well, I think I was originally going to kind of go into a little bit, I think, of how Madison should be a buyer. Um, we've kind of hit on his his roster quite a bit. I think he could dangle Cup as a big trade piece. Um, and that kind of actually goes into who I think maybe should be buying most and in a different way. Um, again, nobody's tanking their team. Nobody's selling all the pieces. We've, we've set up rules to not let it be that way. But I'm looking at Andrew and Chase and the fact that they're both two and six. Their best days are in 2020 and beyond. If I were one of these guys, I might be looking to acquire a big-name keeper like Alex has already done. Chase currently has Josh Jacobs, Tyreek Hill, maybe Zach Ertz, Hollywood Brown. I mean, are any of those guys an elite keeper? Definitely not. Andrew's got, mm-hmm. I mean, Keenan Allen, who is tweeting out things that make him look like he might want to trade. A very old Julian Edelman. Devonta Freeman. Dude, where where's a keeper on that team? I I, mm-hmm. I think either of those guys might be smart to... Uh, pick up the phone, give somebody a call, see if they can work something out. Obviously, we want to keep the competitiveness of the league, but those are two guys who might be thinking about future days. Yeah, nothing wrong with um, uh, being somebody who's planning for the future, and certainly the best way to do that is through an elite keeper. Um, Changing gears to somebody who could be a seller at the deadline, and this is somebody that I think that we've mentioned a lot in the pod, um, and that is Jackson. Like we've talked about, I think his team is kind of seeing a bit of an uptick, uptick. Um, but also like we've talked about, there's still some holes. Maybe, um, David Montgomery is not necessarily, you really feel comfortable with having your RB two. Um, and then while he has like good receivers, he's got one top 10 guy. And then like, yeah, like again, the same problem 
with uh, Jacob and Zach um, is that there's not like a whole bunch of pop guys here. But I will say, and we've talked about this in the last pod, he has Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Corlin Sutton, and Mike Evans, all guys that are week-to-week top 25 plays. And I could very easily see him maybe packaging two of them and maybe David Montgomery, too, to a willing buyer at the deadline, somebody who's maybe looking to, to I don't know, spread the wealth on their team a little bit more and invest in that guy who could take him to the next level. Without it, I don't think Jackson's a contender, but even so, I think that he is in a good position to sell and maybe make a resurgence for the playoffs. What about you? Yeah, I, uh, I I was looking at a couple different teams as potential potential sellers, and I actually kind of landed on someone who I really think should just stand pat, and that is John Thompson. This team scares me, dude. I wake up in the middle of the night with just nightmares of Aaron Jones and Allen Robinson running wild in Week 16 in a potential championship matchup. Deshaun Watson, Darren Waller, dude. This team is loaded, man. I mm-hmm. am definitely fearful of this team. And I think from top to bottom, you know, uh, it seems like a lot of times when guys have a really solid running back wide receiver core, it's because they've really bit the bullet on QB and tight end. But John's got the number one QB in fantasy football in Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. And Darren Waller's the number three tight end. He's got the 49ers defense, second best defense in fantasy yep. football. There's really not a weak spot on this team. And he's got Kyrion in the IR slot. So I don't know if he maybe tries to sell carry on to just get a little bit of added depth or something, but seriously, this is a this is a wicked good team um, that I'm I'm rather afraid of. Yeah, it's a good team, and I think we're all seeing this too in the context of Deshaun Jackson, who scored, if I'm not mistaken, like 35 points the first week. Hasn't played a snap since then, and so certainly yep. that can only help John when he comes back. So, Indeed. yeah, I'd say that this is a team that doesn't have a lot of holes, but we all know that John loves to shop, and we can see another deal <laughs> happen. That's true. That's true. Uh, as of time of recording, it is 4.08 p.m. Eastern time, and uh, I believe that the trade deadline came and went, and nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened? Yeah. yeah. I was really That's, hoping uh... we could break some news on the pod, but uh, nope. Yep, got nothing. A lot of a lot more uh, trades in the NFL this year, but I think that you know it's kind of like us. Like we're all constantly jockeying, trying to get good trades, but we're also smart enough to know a bad deal when we see one. Yeah, and so it's kind of hard to strike a really good deal. So yeah, um, yeah, a lot of hype, but but nothing happening. Yep. Well, um, Jason, we're gonna finish with a blue ribbon before we go on to interview the one and only Claire Andrus. Uh, Mason, you actually are going to get the first blue ribbon, and that is for <laughs> dropping Josh Gordon and then reclaiming him for two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I that's that stoked. Actually, I saw you drop him because it said he was out for the year, and then like forty-five minutes later, it comes out. Oh wait, he might actually only be out for a week or two. Sure. Uh, yeah. And I even thought about making a, a bid on him, but there just seems to be a lot of uh, funny business going on with him. But yeah, I did have to laugh about you dropping your guy and then picking him back up for two oh, sure. Yeah. Yep. And then the, uh, that one. Yep. The second blue ribbon is going to go to the $61 bid on Ty Johnson, who went out and posted 4.8 points. Oh, it's just a cruel world for Alex Lott. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, my friend. Uh, we'll give a, a secondary blue ribbon to the $33 spent on Kenny. Still not that relevant in fantasy football. Uh, <laughs> yeah, neither of those are, are good looks. So yeah. those are blue ribbons. And um, yeah, Mason, with that, want to go ahead and bring on our guest? 
Absolutely looking forward to it. Let's do it. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there. Claire Andress, welcome to the pod. How does it feel to make it on? It's honestly an honor. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm a bit nervous, but I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, you should be excited. You are the first girl from Finest of Sunday's Finest to make it on the pod, and for good reason. You are 6-2 and two and sitting in first on points four, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how does it feel? How does it feel to be on top? Yeah, it feels good. I've got some tough competition with Katie and Madison Orman. Um this is the first week we've dethroned Katie, but uh feels good to be on top for at least a week. Yeah, yeah as I uh, as I understand, Katie texts you every week um, by 105 and says, uh, my team is awful and it's going to lose. And then she puts up 165 points or something like that. So <laughs> Yes. Um every week at the very beginning, Katie always thinks she's gonna lose. And the last two weeks she's been unlucky with injuries, but yeah, she wins almost every week. Yeah, that's a, a pretty stacked team that she's got and a, a pretty stacked team that you've got. For those of you who don't know Claire's team, I'm going to uh, give you a quick rundown. At QB, we've got Kyler Murray and Carson Wentz. At running back, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, and uh, Marlon Mack to choose from. Not bad options. At wide receiver, Mike Evans, Cooper Cup, and at tight end, we've got the uh, double-headed monster of Zach Ertz and Darren Waller, and the defense of the San Francisco 49ers. I am not surprised you are in first place, Claire. That's a, a pretty ridiculous lineup you've got there. Who has been your favorite player on your team so far this season? Uh, it's a little bit of a complicated question. i got to say my favorite player is Zach Ertz, but he's been super inconsistent lately. So... Cooper Cup, in terms of points scored and value for what I got him for, has got to be my favorite player this season. Yeah. Can Tell you uh, a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, the trade that, that landed you on Zach Ertz. Tell us the, the backstory behind that. Yeah, so going into the draft, Mason had, like, set my expectations. Like, you're not going to get everyone you want, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, as long <laughs> as I get Zach Ertz, I'll be fine. <laughs> And in the second round, Sydney took Zach Ertz three picks before me. So I was like, all right, I got to take George Kittle, and then I'll try to trade her for it. Um, <laughs> so I gave her James White and George Kittle for Zach Ertz, and 110% worth it. Um, but, yeah, it's been the only trade of the league so far. So we're <laughs> rocking and rolling. <laughs> yeah, making history in more ways than one. Can you just describe to the listeners who don't know why you love Zach Ertz so much? Um, so Zach Ertz is the husband of a freaking baller. And, um, yeah, his wife, Julie, is on the U.S. Women's National Team. Yeah, which is the namesake of your squad, Claire. Uh, yeah. Your team is U.S. Wentz National Team. That is a pun that would rival any of the great team names in the men's division of Sunday's Finest. And uh, speaking of the men's division, Claire, you are six and two, and Mason sent at three and five. So I think the uh, listeners want to know how much do you help Mason with his lineup each week. 
Um, he doesn't really take my advice, obviously, but that's a bit of a sore <laughs> subject at the moment. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the week that I, uh, if, if I had started MVS that I would have won, which was last week, Claire was like, yeah, you should start MVS. Didn't do it, lost. And then this week, I was like, I'm feeling MVS this week. And she's like, I'm not feeling MVS this week. And then lo and behold, I lose again. So I think she's on to something. I think she's uh, got a couple more wins than me and kind of knows what she's doing. So Thanks. Yeah, I, I know a thing or two about that, Madison. It's the only Nagy in this family who's ever won a, a fantasy football championship before. So hopefully I can say something different by the end of this year. But it sounds like Mason and I could both use a little little advice from the ladies these days. So, yeah, well done, Claire. Yeah, and um, on that subject, on the subject of advice and start-sit decisions, um, this, is a, this is a world that we're all very familiar with, that Jake and I and all the guys that are listening are very familiar with. But for you guys, this is a lot of your first time playing. I know it's your first time. Um, so just tell us a little bit, like, what's it like playing fantasy football for the first time? I don't know where fantasy football has been for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, I now know what I've been missing out on. Um, I spend way too much time looking at it every week. I don't know if all the girls do that, but I definitely sit at work and stare at my fantasy lineup, um, watch way too much football on Sundays, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely is. So, so you talk about some of the likes. Um, what are what have been some of your favorite things about it this year, and then also some of your least favorite things? Um, favorite, I. Probably watching NFL more, caring about it more. I've always just cared about college because of U of L um, and followed that pretty closely. And I've never really had an NFL team, so now I have a little bit of investment with players throughout the league. Um, so I've just enjoyed watching for a reason. Um, and also, I like taking risks. I've started to take more risks throughout <laughs> the season as I've gotten more comfortable with it. It's very true, yeah. I'm super excited to play next year and like go into the draft next year, actually knowing what I'm doing instead of um, kind of just picking people whose names I recognized. Yeah, for sure. There's like definitely like the first year is kind of like getting it under your belt and just like figuring out like what the heck is going on. Because even if you know a lot about football, there's like, you know, all kinds of things that you don't know about fantasy. It's just a very different game. So so maybe uh, what are some lessons that you've picked up on so far that you're going to carry into next year? Um, I think for running backs them receiving is super important and I think I knew that before but now I see it even more um defense kicker don't matter literally at all I kind of just pick (laughs) up a defense and a kicker every week um quarterback also doesn't matter a ton um Christian McCaffrey is definitely worth it um and yeah I think just like going into it in the future, I've learned to like look more at matchups than projections. I think this past week was the first time I like actually went against projections and just chose based on matchups and they all turned out positive for me. So I know that doesn't happen every week, but um, just getting more comfortable with making my own decisions as opposed to ESPN's often wrong projections. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Claire, you, you sound like you're, uh, on top of things, and I can see why your team's six and two, gunning for a championship. Which which team, maybe other than Katie Van Zant, the uh, other six and two team in the league, would you be most nervous about facing in the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I've actually already lost to Katie, um, so I won't have to face her again unless it's in the playoffs. 
Um, I'm most nervous to play Madison Orman. I have to play her, I think, in week 11 or 12. Mm. And her team is, like, every single week one of the highest scoring teams. Last week, I think she had six play. Six of her starters were on bye, and she scored, like, 160 or 170 points. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's currently tied in first for first well, with me and Katie. So I, okay. her team is stacked. Thanks. Speaking of ladies who could give their man some some fantasy football help these days. <laughs> oh man. Oh, yeah. Poor Alex. Oh. Um yeah, so um one of the things that we talk about too, I think, is that it's just like it's a very different game with um uh ten teams as opposed to fourteen. So we play with fourteen, yeah. so we're pretty much just like um just starting people with a pulse, just like basically like if they're on the field, sure I'll start them, why not? Um yeah. but you guys have a lot more start sit decisions to make um between like good players that could score in any given week. So what are some of the things that you've kind of like latched on to? Um, to inform your decision-making process in that. Yeah, um, I think I already mentioned it a little bit, but in terms of deciding who to start and who to sit, I think I've started to look more at matchups than projections, um, mostly in terms of, like, deciding between Derrick Henry and Marlon Mack, um, deciding my flex position. Um, and Derrick Henry and Marlon Mack seem to go up and down, like, every other week. So I've kind of gone back and forth between them and it's worked out pretty well yeah, yeah. not bad yeah. not bad strategy so claire give us a little bit of a rundown of the finest of sunday's finest standings where each girl is in the standings and a little bit of analysis on the league so far yeah so after this week we have me and madison orman and katie paws um tied for first it's a close race. Katie's been in first the whole time. Um, but now she has lost two in a row. So, And then we have Emily, who's in fourth, tied with Sarah Rendon, also in fourth. And then you're Madison. And then Kristen, Sydney, Jess, and Hannah. Um, it's kind of interesting because Sarah has actually won four in a row, but she has the lowest number of points for so after starting 0-4, she surged up to fourth place, which is, I don't know if it's going to be sustainable, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> and there's kind of a bit of a separation from the top four and then the middle. And the middle has kind of gotten more jumbled with the bottom over the past two weeks um, with a couple upsets. But right now, I'd say, like, maybe everyone but Hannah is, like, still in the race for the playoffs. Yeah. And that's what you want at the end of the day. Everybody's still got some playoff hopes alive with five weeks left in the season. Um, we often do a little segment on the podcast over under who's one team that you think um, is maybe been underperforming and could really have a bit of a turnaround and make a push at the end of the season. And who's one team who looks pretty good right now, but maybe uh, is going to fall by the wayside. Yeah. Um, I think one team that I like that has underperformed is your Madison's team, Team Madden 20. Um, <laughs> I think she has some of the best receivers. Um, Devontae Adams is has been out for a little while, um, but I just think she has a lot of potential. She's like still solidly in the middle. Um, she almost beat me last week and like just on the border of being really good. 
Um, and then I kind of already said this a little, but Sarah Rendon's team, Zeke and Destroy, I don't really know. I don't know. I just don't know how she's won four in a row. It's kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> and then, but also, there's a few teams that are not setting their lineups anymore, so I'm not sure how bought in everyone is. But <laughs> we'll see. That's right. It's uh, it's time of the season where bye weeks are coming on, and uh, yeah, it's it's really you start to see who's who's going to make that strong push at the end of the year. And honestly, so, so much of fantasy football comes down to luck. That has been yeah, something sure. heavily discussed um, amongst the, the gentlemen, particularly amongst the teams who are not on the receiving end of that luck. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I hear it. I heard it all weekend. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. Um, yeah, so obviously some of it comes down to luck, but a lot of it comes down to making those, those tough calls. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think – you gave us a good rundown there uh, between those teams, uh, Claire. If you had to, if you had to choose um, one team that you think could really benefit from a big trade, who's one team that you think is like a move away, maybe a trade away from being a, a much tougher team? Oh gosh, this is hard because we don't trade. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think a few trades have been attempted, but I think. Um, Kristen's team could do really well with the trade. Yeah. Kristen's currently tied for sixth, um, right on the border of making the playoffs. And she has, um, she had some tough luck at the beginning with Antonia Brown and mm. someone else. Was there like a David Johnson or someone that was her? I don't yeah. know. Yep. Um, so I think Kristen with another strong player or two could be really strong. All right. So, there it is, ladies. If you need a trade, there's some teams that are willing. One trade so far doesn't mean there can't be more. So pick up the phone, give somebody a call, and uh, we'll see if we can get some trades before the trade deadline. Yeah, I don't even know when that is. <laughs> <laughs> Claire, a little bit aside from fantasy football, um, tell everybody how life's been for you. What's your work look like? How's your family? How's life? Yeah, life's pretty good. Uh, family's good. Works works in the middle of our busy season. We have a big event coming up in like 10 days. Um, right on. Just got back from a quick trip to Europe. Mm. So that was a lot of fun. I got to go with my sister. Um, yeah, just a quick trip to Europe. That's pretty casual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's the perk about my job. There's a lot of flexibility. Um, can work from home on Fridays a lot. Um, be flexible if I want to go somewhere. Um, but yeah. That's it's right. Good. What was uh what was your favorite one of your favorite highlights from Europe? Uh we hiked in the Swiss Alps and I also got to see my friend Maria who lives in Austria. Those were wow. two two of the highlights. Also Oktoberfest was just like a giant Kentucky State fair with beer tents. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Less fried Oreos, more steins is basically yes. what I'm picturing. Yes. Um yeah. Um so Good to hear those things for sure. Um, also, um, I think that one of the things that we've talked to, to a lot of people on the pod about is just a favorite team that they have. And for most people, that's an NFL team. But oh. for you, it is unequivocally U of L football. Um, so I think they're what, four and three, five and three right now? What is it? I believe it's five and three. We five had and this three. conversation the other day. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, so tell me about the the season so far, and then what their outlook is that you think for the rest of the season. Yeah. 
Um, going into the season, I was a little more positive than a lot of people. I think I projected that we would be six and six and ultimately beat UK to be bowl eligible. And we are ahead of pace. So I'm all in on Scott Satterfield and I think we'll win at least two, hopefully three more games. Awesome. Yeah, very good. It's a better place to be than Arkansas right now. I think Arkansas is two and whatever the rest of their games have played and almost lost to the bye week a couple weeks ago. So it uh, <laughs> doesn't doesn't look good for us. Oh, goodness. None of your teams. None of your teams are looking good. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I'm in sports purgatory right now. But, but Christian Pulisic with a hat trick. We'd be remiss to not talk about that after the wallowing sadness that had enveloped us just before recording our last podcast when the U.S. had lost 2-0 to Canada. At least we have one one bright spot in our lives, Mason. Yeah, that's very true. I love it. I still need to watch the highlights. Oops. Yeah. yeah. It's your homework. That's your homework. Yeah, it must be nice for you to get to you know support uh, the women's team who um, it's World Cup or bust. For us, it's World Cup or bust. We just, you know... It's making the World Cup or bust. So yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, Claire, we're now getting into the important stuff, and that is the potato rankings. Okay. Claire, this actually began. Um, some of us were taking a little trip out to Vancouver, British Columbia, to see our our dear friend Paul Barry, and we extensively discussed and debated the top styles of French fries, the potato rankings. Claire, can you give us your top two styles of potato? Yes, number one, easily, by far, is sweet potato fries. Yeah, for sure. And then number two, I've got to go with curly fries. Nice. Curly fries. What, what do you think of when you think of curly fries? Arby's. Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you had Arby's, though? <laughs> I don't know, but they're so good. True. Yeah. You're not they're wrong. Kind of underrated. I might need to take a trip to Arby's before long because a lot of people are backing the curly fries, and I'm about it. Um, uh, so before we move to the lightning round, um, just want to talk a little bit more about the the girls' league. Um, so right now, you guys are eight weeks in, and you have some of those stronger teams. I think six uh-huh. teams make the playoffs. Is that right? Yeah. So if you had to choose today... Who do you think would be the two teams that would play for the championship? And then who would win the championship? Oh, goodness. Well, I'd like to hope that I will be playing for a championship. Um, I feel like it might be against Katie. As of right now, it looks that way, yeah. I think I've got her beat the second time. Yeah, love that. Back in yourself. Um, Gotta love the confidence. Um, so we finish every uh, interview with a bit of a lightning round. Um, Jake, I have uh, copied and pasted some of those questions in our document. Uh, do you want to go ahead and start us off and go back and forth like we normally do? Let's do it. All right, Claire Andress, are you ready? Yes. All right. Go. Would you rather text or talk on the phone? Talk on the phone. Um, little Disney princess question, Ariel or Jasmine? Ariel. Mm, For sure. Good choice. Oh, good choice. I don't know. I, I disagree with that heartily. Dang. Hot take. Claire, do you snore? No. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> she does fall asleep in, in any, incon- like just the most inconceivable places in the entire world, though. Um, what is your favorite season? Uh, summer. 
What's your favorite number? 12. Yeah. Um, what's the best age? Uh, um, so far it's been 24. Hey. I'm sad yeah, you didn't say 22, though. Because then we can't play Taylor Swift now. Then we're feeling 22, yeah. yeah. Mm, missed opportunity. That's all right. Claire, how many pull-ups can you do in a row? Oh, probably just like two or three. <laughs> That's pretty good, Jake. Claire. <laughs> I was going to say, Jake, can you do two or three? I oh, cannot. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, how many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Just one, but it's a Yeti, so it's a big cup. Yeah. Okay. Claire, coming off of your trip to Europe, do you prefer tapas or pasta? Uh, tapas. Yeah. Very good. Uh, ask permission or beg for forgiveness? Oh, goodness. Probably beg for forgiveness. Yeah. That's it. That's Claire, true. how many redheads are you friends with? Redheads? <laughs> uh. Is that a zero? Is that a I don't associate like with anything? Like mm. Okay. That's three more redhead friends than I have. Yeah. Two? I don't know. I have to think about it. Madison's not a redhead at the moment, so you oh, can't wow. count her. Is okay, she I'll, is she I'll natural, though? Say that again? Is she a natural redhead, though? Uh, no, not really. She uh, has uh, a lot of freckles, and she usually dyes her hair kind of red quite a bit. And actually, when we were in Europe, uh, we were in England, and we were uh, walking down the street, and this little girl holds out a, a flyer to her, asking her to like sign some petition. And Madison's like, no, no, thank you. And the little, little girl says to her, are you Irish? And I think <laughs> that, that was the most proud moment in Madison's entire life. <laughs> yeah. Very good. All right. Yeah. Well, enough with the uh, the frivolous questions. Um, Claire, the Louisville Cardinals will finish the season at what record? Are we talking basketball or football? Football. Uh, seven and five. Yeah, that's good. All right. And the U.S. Wentz national team will finish <laughs> with what record and in what place at the end of the season? Oh, I don't. How many games are there total? I believe you'll have 13 games. Yeah, yeah 13. Um, 10 and 3. Yeah, that's so good. You're going to win the chip? You going to win the chip this year? I don't know. I already said yes once, but. <laughs> <laughs> so the second time, you're really you're asking me to double down. Yeah. <laughs> right um, on. You got it, Claire. You got it. And you're going to get that matching Christian McCaffrey jersey with Mason <laughs> so you guys can rock it proudly. I can see it now. Yeah, my my triple XL from uh, from, from China sweatshop somewhere. Yeah. yeah. All, right. all right, Claire. Well, that's all the time we have, Claire. Thank you for coming on. It was wonderful having you. Thanks for giving us a little insight into the girls league and also what it's like to play fantasy football for the first time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was an honor. All right. Um. So that's all we have. And Jake, you got any last words? Uh, 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 no. I think we're good. We'll see you next time. <laughs> see you, boys. <laughs>